What's up, fellow hard gainers? Welcome back to the Built-In Keep Fitness Podcast. My name is Timothy Averill. Thank you so much for joining me as I share with you all my fitness journey, including the challenges I face, progress I make, and things I learn along the way for you to benefit from. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about one of those things that I've recently learned after stumbling upon an Athlean X video. This technique, this training technique, as the title suggests, will help you unlock explosive strength and size gains without lifting heavyweights. Now, I want to be clear, I'm not saying get rid of heavyweights, I'm not saying don't lift heavyweights, but this training technique does not require heavyweights. In fact, it actually specifically doesn't require heavyweights. It requires the use of lighter weights, and this technique is good for everyone, for from powerlifters and bodybuilders who maybe um, need to unlock a new way for them to continue to increase their strength gains. Maybe they're stuck on the squat or the bench press or deadlift. They can't lift any more weights. They could use this technique to lift more weights, get past that sticking point um, that they might be stuck on. And then for anyone who maybe isn't isn't even doing any kind of maximal work, any one rep max, three rep max sets, anything like that, anyone can use this technique and reap the benefits from it. So, and I'm going to be talking about how it can be applied for both those groups of people. Um, first, we're, of course, we're going to go into kind of the basis of the technique, um, why it is used, why, like, what's the purpose of it, and then we're going to go into those two kind of applications and maybe potentially some limitations or things you really need to keep in mind while using this technique. Because if just like any training technique, you can do it incorrectly, and if you do it incorrectly, um, which I'm going to tell you how you could do it incorrectly and how you can avoid doing it incorrectly, you're not going to get as many benefits from it. You're not going to get the full benefit from it. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. So the technique we're going to be talking about today, and some of you might have heard about it before, it's called cat training. It's in the title, um, or otherwise known as compensatory acceleration training. Now I know that's kind of a like potentially big word, but trust me, listen to the episode. It's not... Um, it might seem a little bit intimidating, but once I break it down, it's not going to be that intimidating or difficult to understand. I did have to watch a couple sources because my brain didn't compute it at first, but trust me, it is simple once you hear my explanation for it. <clears throat> so, compensatory acceleration training, basically the whole basis behind it is that you can use, you can compensate by, or you can compensate for using lighter weights by increasing acceleration of the bar. The standard approach is where you're doing like heavier weighted sets where you're really trying to just increase the mass on the bar constantly and really um, do really low rep sets of high weights. Um, and because it's so difficult for you to lift that high weights, naturally you're going to be doing it at a slower pace. Or potentially um, powerlifters, bodybuilders might also do intentionally slow tempo work. Um, with heavier weights to really focus on kind of my muscle connection, that kind of stuff. So that's like the kind of standard approach. Compensatory acceleration training is kind of a, is a little bit opposed to that. Um, not opposed is in the sense that you have to pick one or the other, or they have like negative effects on each other. Opposed in the fact that it's kind of the opposite. You're doing a little bit lighter weight, but you're doing it at a faster tempo to compensate for that lighter weight. The reason why this works is, <clears throat> excuse me, it goes back to physics. If you ever took a physics class in middle school, high school, college, whatever, you'll have heard of F equals M times A or force equals mass times acceleration. So if you think of with if you think of that equation and then go back to what I just said about the standard approach, higher mass with lower acceleration versus lower mass with higher acceleration, you're going to get equal force production. Obviously assuming 
like the numbers line up, but the point is you can compensate for a lower m or mass value with an increased or higher a acceleration value. So that's the basis behind this training. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this was developed by um, Dr. Fred Hatfield, which some of you might know if you're kind of if you're kind of clued up on the power um, building like um, science literature scene. Um, I admittedly didn't know who he was because I don't really know a lot of big names. Um, at the moment, I'm not <laughs> super clued up on it yet, but Dr. Fred Hatfield um, is the one who really developed this. He was the one who kind of said, use less weight on the bar and move it as fast as possible because um, the more explosive you're able to move out of the bottom of the movements, um, the more the more explosive force, the more acceleration you're able to get, the more likely you are to kind of get past that sticking point. And that's a term that I used. Um, for those of you who don't know what a sticking point is, I haven't found like a formal definition for it, but I could use context clues and basically it's kind of self-explanatory It's as it sounds. A sticking point is the point in the exercise that you get stuck in. So if you're trying to move like heavy weight, um, let's say you're doing a actually really good example is a squat, right? Anyone who's done squats before knows that the bottom of the movement where you're about to start up, where you're, where you're about to start moving up, that's what I meant to say, um, where your quads are parallel to the ground, that's like the hardest part of the movement biomechanically, then it gets easier as you go up. So for most people, that's going to be the sticking point because that's the hardest part. That's the part you can get stuck at really easily. So once you go down in the squat and you try to get up, you might not be able to go up because you're just stuck there. That would be what the sticking point is. And that's the thing that compensatory acceleration training really aims to improve. It really um, is meant to help you get past that point. So it's obvious what the applications could be for powerlifters, bodybuilders, those kind of like those kind of people who are really trying to push weight and increase the weight on the bar for um, one rep max. Or if you're doing maximal versus or like three rep max, if you're um, doing submaximal sets, whatever. Point is at those um, rep max kind of sets. Getting past that sticking point is very, very important. Learning to accelerate throughout the movement is going to allow you to produce more force and thus move more weight and get past the sticking point. So that's the main goal of compensatory acceleration training from kind of a, what I call like a formal application or powerlifting application standpoint. Um, in a bit, I'm going to go into more of like a general application where you can use this training and just the basic ideas of this training. <clears throat> Now, going back to that sticking point thing, I um, kind of heard a couple of metaphors while I was looking into this. Excuse me, that was not English. <laughs> I heard a couple of good metaphors to kind of use so you could um, visualize a little bit better what I'm talking about when I'm talking about sticking points. Um, I heard these from one of the videos that will be linked down below by, um, who is it, Coach Christian? I'm going to say Christian T because I can't pronounce that. <laughs> I don't want to butcher his name. Um, but think of, like, so me, I'm doing Taekwondo right now. And eventually, I will potentially get to the point where um, uh, my Taekwondo master will allow me to um, start doing like breaks and stuff like that, right? And for people who maybe know about karate or have seen in, in movies, um, when a person in karate or martial arts goes to break like a brick, right? If you think about breaking the brick, if you tried to punch the brick or kick the brick and you're just putting as much force as you can, but you're just moving really, really slowly to hit that brick. When you hit that brick, do you think the brick's going to break? <laughs> if you move super, super slowly and then just tap the brick at the end, it's not going to break. You need the speed to be able to break through the brick, to, to be able to break through that point that's stopping your fist or your kick from going for your, 
what? Your fist or your kick, your punch or your kick, your fist or your foot, sorry, from going further. Another metaphor is basically you're trying to slide something through glue. So imagine you're trying to slide like a ball or maybe even a piece of cardboard, I don't know, through glue. The slower you slide through glue, the easier it's going to be for that glue to stick to the object you're trying to slide through it. If you move through quickly, it's going to be easier to go past that sticking point, literally speaking in this case, of the glue. So that's what we're doing with compensatory acceleration training. The faster you're able to accelerate, the more acceleration you're able to get, the more, um, the more, <clears throat> excuse me, the easier it will be to overcome the sticking point. And um, as one person said, and I don't remember what the name of the person was, um, but Coach T that I just talked about referenced a, um, I'm assuming a prominent figure <laughs> in um, powerlifting, bodybuilding, um, scientific literature. Again, not super clued up on it, so I didn't know who he was referring to, but a quote that he used was, the more speed you can produce at the beginning of the lift, so for a bench press or a squat, like the bottom of the lift, but squat would be, again, when your quads are parallel to the floor. Bench press would be when your bar is like at your chest, so at the beginning of the lift, the more speed you're able to produce there, the higher the sticking point will be, and the high, and not what I sorry in my notes I type I made a typo. The higher the sticking point will be, and the easier it'll be to overcome it because you're in a stronger position, like closer to lockout. So in a bench press, the closer you get to being able to lock out your triceps, the more biomechanically advantageous of a position you're in, the more leverage you have. So as you increase that point, that sticking point, you're able to overcome it more, and that's again what compensatory acceleration training is doing. I'm being a little bit redundant in this, which I apologize for, but I really want to make sure you guys understand the benefits of this and what I'm talking about with the sticking point, because it can be a little bit confusing. And I know when I like read about it and heard about it, I was I was confused, so I had to go back and listen to it a few times to really make sure it ironically stuck in my head. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. So now to get into kind of what the recommendations are for the weight. Um, because you might be thinking, well, I just talked about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, you might be thinking, I just talked about going faster and using less weight, but what weight do I use? How much weight is okay? Like if I, because obviously if you use too little weight, then there's really not going to be much of a point to it. If you use too heavy a weight, you're not going to be able to accelerate as much. But again, if you use too little of a weight, what's the point? You're not really compensating. You can't compensate for too low of a weight because then the difference is going to be too much. So there's a range that's kind of recommended, which is 50 to 80% of the one rep max. Um, so for people who do powerlifting, bodybuilding a lot, you're going to be able to understand that more. For people who don't really get what that means, basically um, in strength work, um, in strength work and increasing your strength um, for power lifters and bodybuilders, kind of the units or the way they describe or prescribe or prescribe actually if you're a coach um the amount of weight you're supposed to use is by comparing it to your one rep max of the exercise or for some instances your 12 rep max or eight rep max or whatever so rep max is just for instance one rep max is the amount of weight you're able to use for one rep of that exercise so the maximal amount of weight you can do for one rep eight rep max would be the same for eight and then 12 so on all of that so for people like this, powerlifters, bodybuilders, they're going to know what their one rep max is for the exercise. So they're going to be able to calculate 50 to 80% of the one rep max. And if you're a coach with um, this person as a client, you're going to be able to calculate effectively there. So that's part of the reason why I'm having this general application is because people like me and people like some of you listening don't know what our one rep maxes are. I have no idea. I've never done maximal work or even really sub maximal work to the point where I could 
accurately estimate, <clears throat> excuse me, where I could accurately estimate my one rep max, I can get, I could probably get a general idea, but I couldn't be as specific as say, okay, this weight is 60% of my one rep max on the best bench press. It wouldn't really work for me. Um, you can do this, like, because this is such a wide range, 50 to 80% one rep max, you can kind of ballpark it. But you can't be as specific as maybe a coach would be trying to really prescribe this to a powerlifter. Um, but anyway, we'll get into that later. So 50 to 80% of the one rep max with, of course, individual variations. So someone who might be um, more naturally explosive can handle doing a heavier weight because they're more naturally explosive than someone who's less naturally explosive and maybe doing 50% or 60% of their one rep max. Um, the bar is not really moving very fast, whereas those explosive people can do like 70-80% of their one rep max and still be explosively and quickly moving the bar. So it depends on the individual. Um, one of the coaches in that video that I'm referring to also said that potentially when doing this with like, again, powerlifter, bodybuilder, someone who's used to lifting a lot of heavy weights, if you go too light... Um, they might have some form de degre degradation, that's the right word, some form degradation, and when they're trying to explosively lift up, let's say on a bench press, their shoulders will come off the bench, so there will be some form de degradation there, and that's something you need to keep in mind. Form and technique and efficiency of the movement, you need to make sure you're, you have those down, because if you have terrible form and then trying to move it quickly, it's going to make your terrible form worse, and if you even have relatively good form, if you're not using the correct excuse me, not using the correct weight, or if your and or if your form's not good enough, your form can degrade more, technique can go like out the window, and then you're going to lose out some of the benefits, and potentially, again, put yourself at risk um, of like, in, of, <clears throat> excuse me, put yourself at increased risk of injury. That's what I meant to say, I apologize, um, because your technique is bad. If you're doing bad technique over and over again on a bench press, you could hurt yourself. You just could. Um, so compensatory acceleration training, you need to be aware of that um excuse me but as i was saying i went off on that little tangent but as i was saying talking about um someone who might have form degradation if they use too little of weight what potentially this coach um said you could do is put a little bit more weight on the bar for them to really get them um psychologically and physiologically um in the right position so like they because it's potential it's possible that if um, someone's used to lifting heavy weight and then you go too light of a weight, they can just subconsciously relax their form because they're like in their heads, subconsciously or consciously, they don't feel like they need to take it as seriously, even though it is still going to be a hard set because the whole point is you're compensating for the low weight with high acceleration. So it's still supposed to be a very high effort set with really ex like explosive um, acceleration, right? But subconsciously, they might think they need to relax so they don't um, stick to form as much as they would with the heavyweight. So increasing the weight a little bit will allow them to psychologically and physiologically feel the heavier weight and then get themselves ready in the proper form and get themselves prepared properly and then start lifting the weight lighter. Or what? Start lifting the weight faster. There we go. <laughs> so that's another thing to keep in mind. Individual variations are important. Um, and it's, again, dependent on the individual and their like natural capacity to explode and then as you i would assume as you get better at cat training as you get more used to it you could potentially do it more effectively with heavier weights so maybe you could only do 50 percent when you started but then you moved up and could do like 60 percent 65 70 percent or whatever again 
as I just as I just said earlier, the speed is very important for this as well. You're not just kind of moving it a little bit faster. It's like violent. It's explosive movement. It's, it's explosive is in the title for a reason. It is explosive, violent acceleration is a good way of putting it. So like to really violence a very extreme word, but to put it into your head, how fast you're meant to be moving, you're meant to be exploding upwards. You're not just um, excuse me, it's in the name, you're compensating for the lower weight with acceleration. So you need to make sure your acceleration is high enough to properly compensate for the weight. Um, the last thing about this kind of formal application, so to speak, volume. Volume is very important for um, cat training as well. You need to keep your volume for your cat training relatively low for two main reasons. Excuse me. Number one is too many sets, you're going to lose speed. You just are. If you decrease, like if, excuse me, if you do too many sets or really even really high rep sets, the bar speed is going to decrease. It just is naturally. You might not even notice it, um, but it makes perfect sense the bar, that the bar speed will decrease. Um, Coach T in the video said that he's literally measured, um, excuse me, he's used a, um, like a measuring tool to measure bar speed um, from set to set to set with multiple sets. And as you did, as um, he measured the bar speed from, um, excuse me, as he measured the bar speed for lifters who did multiple sets of cat training, there we go, I got tongue-tied again, the bar speed decreased, even though it wasn't super noticeable um, to the lifter or the coach, like visually, the bar speed did decrease. He measured it and it, and it checked out. That's the first main reason, is you want to focus on quality over quantity, um, and we'll get into why in a second. Um, but the second main reason is, as the other coach in that video said, you want to use the dynamic effort as a simulation for the max effort. So if you think about the training goals of cat training, which I've kind of drilled into a little bit at this point, you're trying to get past that sticking point. You're trying to teach the lifter to accelerate throughout the movement for whatever lift that they're doing. You're trying to teach them acceleration throughout the movement, get past the sticking points. Um, so it's to kind of supplement and help improve that, um, excuse me, I forgot the term I used, but that other kind of training where you're doing just a heavy weight in the lower tempo is to help supplement and improve in that to help increase your numbers, increase your strength gains, increase your size gains. So if you think about it like that, it wouldn't make sense for you who is doing sets of four to six reps or even less potentially of heavy strength, heavy, slow strength work to then go and do cat training for sets of 12 to 15. It wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't line up because again, you're trying to get yourself to accelerate in the movements um, for when you do go and do those low rep sets. So in order to really simulate that, do similar sets and reps, um, do a similar rep sets and rep scheme. My gosh, I can't speak. Sorry as you're doing for that strength work. If you're doing three sets of, um, in the video they said like three sets of three, um, or if you're doing three sets of four to six or whatever, do the same or very similar um, with cat training, right? Because if, well I already said, I'm not gonna repeat it again, but again, you're trying to think of the training goals and think of what best aligns for the training goals. So that's another reason why quality over quantity is important. Because if you're doing, um, excuse me, oh, this is a better way of saying this. Um, quality over quantity is important because if you think about um, training, cat training, as increasing your ability to lift more in a one rep max or two, three rep max scale, 
you're only doing three reps or two reps or one rep. You're not doing a lot of, you're not sitting there and doing five attempts at a one rep max. You're doing one attempt, maybe two attempts or, 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 or a few attempts, depending on the person and the session or whatever. You're not sitting there just over and over again doing one rep max sets. So the, you're doing very few of them at the maximum quality you can. You're trying to do the best you can for that one rep. So that's why quality is so important in this, because again, you're trying to train yourself to get better at that, um, at that level. So that's kind of wrapping it up for the formal application. That's what cat training is. That's why you do it. That's what it's for, what the purpose is and how coaches and powerlifters and bodybuilders use it to increase their gains. Now we're going to kind of break it down a little bit. Um, and apply it to maybe people who don't do maximal strength work. Like for me, who doesn't do maximal strength work, I just don't. Um, I never have. Um, that might also be because I'm, I was never really in football, so I never had to do that. I was always cross-country track for the most part, so we didn't... Our gym work was not great, I'm not going to lie. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. but it, And it, there was never any focus on really increasing your strength, increasing one rep maxes or anything like that. And I just haven't done it um, since. Um, I will eventually most likely do it at some point. But for me, who d just doesn't do maximal sets, for one, because I'm not doing it now, haven't done it in the past, and my training program doesn't have it. But for two, I train by myself. So me trying to do maximal sets would just be dangerous to me. So there's no point for me doing it. Um, however, I have applied compensatory acceleration training, or at least the basis of compensatory acceleration training to my training. And based on um, the Athlete Next video that kind of introduced me to the topic and me just looking into it and learning more, I figured out how to apply it to really any training, basically. Um, so I'm going to go into now how you, you listening to this can apply this as soon as today, as soon as tomorrow, and potentially see significant results in as little as like 30 days, right? That sound good? Yeah, it sounds, it sounds pretty good to me. So I'm doing it now in my training. Um, and basically what I'm doing is I'm just simply increasing the speed I'm doing exercise. In, excuse me. I'm simply increasing the speed of an exercise that I'm doing. So if you go back to F equals M times A, force equals mass times acceleration, what formally compensatory acceleration training is doing is you're taking a lower mass and compensating with the higher acceleration versus higher mass, lower acceleration. And that and this is mostly applied to those really low rep sets, those really kind of maximal forces. So you're doing like four to six reps, three reps, whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me. However, if I were to just take what I'm doing now, for instance, if I'm doing a set of like five, ten squats or whatever, and then I'm doing it normally, ignoring compensatory acceleration training, just doing a normal set, doing whatever weight I'm doing um, at whatever speed I'm doing it, because I try to keep it constant just for consistency purposes, um, whatever mass, whatever acceleration I'm doing, I'm going to get X number of force. We'll just call it X, right? Then after learning about compensatory acceleration training, after watching the Athlete Next video, I then just increase my speed. I don't change mass because I haven't gotten significantly stronger since the first week or whatever um, when I did squats. I just simply increase acceleration. Mathematically speaking, just increasing my speed 
is going to increase my force production. Simple as that, right? I'm not doing all the all the other stuff with compensatory acceleration training. I'm not having to do um, like only three rep sets or whatever, but just increasing the acceleration for my set is going to increase force production, which will then excuse me, which will then lead to better recruitment of and more efficient recruitment of type 2 muscle fibers, which will increase your capability for more size and strength gains. And that comes from the Athlean X video. If you want to guys go check that out, um, it'll be in the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it'll be in the episode description. Um, so definitely go check that out and the other episode because they had a good discussion, uh, not the other episode, the other video linked in my episode description because they just had a really good um, discussion about compensatory acceleration training. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm, that's how I'm applying it to my training because as simple as that is, it can have huge benefits for you. Increasing acceleration is going to increase force production. That's as simple as that. That's the basis of compensatory acceleration training and just applying it to your training like that, just increasing speed that you're moving, <clears throat> excuse me, that you're moving a weight at is going to have good benefits. Now what Athlean X says is, um, even if it's not if you, even if it doesn't like seem like it's moving a ton faster, um, intention is important with this. So just intending or like um, contracting and pushing the weight as if you're or pushing or pulling the weight, I should say, as if you're just going to like throw it into the air will yield results. Now, I will say I don't know if um, you should take that part of what I've said. The like intention is important and seeming like it's not moving much faster. It doesn't matter. Um, and then apply it to like the formal um, application. I wouldn't. I would definitely say that intention is important, but I think that the fact that the bars actually, the bar, or the dumbbells, or whatever is actually moving quicker is significantly important when you're doing the more formal application and you're doing like submaximal sets where you're just accelerating in order to improve your maximal sets. I think at that point the weight does need to be moving quicker. However, if you're applying it to just like um, excuse me, just like a, maybe a dumbbell incline bench press where you're not as concerned with your one rep max or your three rep max or whatever, just acting like you're moving the weights and like, um, contracting and, um, performing the exercise as if you're going to throw the weight up in the air can have benefits as well. One thing you do need to, um, make sure you don't do, which is what a lot of people end up doing, um, just not even with compensatory acceleration training, to be clear, just in general when they're lifting, especially we'll say, for example, like a squat, as you go up in the squats, um, like I said earlier in this episode, anyone who knows um, a squat or has done a squat knows the bottom portion of the squat, the first part of the concentric portion of the exercise is going to be harder than the top. Top is generally the, like, the easiest part, similar to the bench press, the top is going to be the easiest part. What you don't want to do um, is as the exercise gets biomechanically easier, as you get like better leverage in the exercise, you just kind of coast, right? So with a bench press, you really try at the start of the exercise. And then as you get to lockout, you just lock out and you're not really accelerating as much at the end of the movement. In or another way to apply this, which I don't even really want to say another way to apply this because it's kind of a similar way of applying this is just accelerating throughout the movement, whole movement, continue to accelerate. Even if the exercise gets biomechanically easier, continue to accelerate throughout the movement to really maximize the benefits of this training. It's going to feel a little bit more difficult, and that's a good thing. Um, I tried it, I will say, on leg day, especially when I first tried it, um, squats and deadlifts. It, I felt it. I really, I really did. I felt it. Um, I can't say that because I got like severe DOMS after the leg day, but I can't really say 
whether that was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, due to um, me applying this compensatory acceleration training or not, because before that leg day, I hadn't really done any kind of squatting or deadlifting for a while on a consistent basis. Um, <laughs> so I really can't attribute that to um, compensatory acceleration training. So I was like, if I could, then I would potentially give you guys a warning, like maybe you might see a little bit, um, a, a little bit of increased fatigue or, or soreness or whatever. Um, but I honestly, re it's too much of a confounding variable that I didn't have any um, consistent training on those movements prior really to me applying it. So I can't really give you a definitive answer on that. What I can say is it will probably feel harder. It will um, potentially leave you slightly more fatigued and slightly more sore. I can say that, so just be aware of that. However, it's really not going to be a huge issue, I would say, because even though I was sore, um, I was still able to get over it in a relatively um, normal amount of time. Uh, delayed onset muscle soreness, if you don't know what that is, DOMS, um, it's just soreness after the workouts, a couple days after the workouts, um, most likely it happened, but I recovered, so it didn't cause a huge issue, um, is the main point I'm trying to get across. Um, and then another way, so Athlete X, if you have watched Athlete X's videos before, he has a trainee called Jesse, who's a skinny, who at this point, um, after a few years of training has gotten, um, much more muscular gains. He used to be very skinny. What, um, Athlete X or Jeff Cavalier had him doing, um, to increase his deadlift at one point was, um, cat training where he did submaximal sets where he was trying to increase the acceleration and that helped propel him. Um, to do that. So that's another way, even if you aren't, excuse me, even if you aren't um, doing maximal sets like Jesse was, doing sub-maximal sets or sets of um, a number of reps far away from your one rep max, maybe like four to six reps. So me saying far away, I didn't mean to say far away, away, um, for like four to six reps, that will increase your strength as well. So that's a way you can kind of take that form application and then apply it to yourself. Um, and then even if you're not doing maximal sets, you can do sub-maximal sets, um, to see how quickly you can improve there. That's because uh, even if you're not doing maximal sets, that's one of the best ways to really measure your strength. So doing some kind of, um, thing, maybe you do like a five rep max set. You see how many, how much weight you can do for five rep max. So you're not doing like full one rep maxes or anything like that. Um, that you can measure in a long term. So that's like the benefit of doing one rep max things. You can measure your strength gains. Whereas compensatory acceleration training, I can tell you all day long, you're getting stronger, but if you can't see it, um, a lot of people, first of all, aren't going to believe it. And then second of all, aren't going to really want to stick to it on a sustainable basis. So that's where maximal work can really help. I think I'm um, just from a sustainability and motivation standpoint. Um, but if you don't want to do maximal, like one rep max, or I'm so sorry, my alarm just went off. That scared me. <laughs> um, if you don't want to do like one rep max or two rep max sets, um, you can do things that are farther away from um, a one rep max, like maybe a five or a five rep max, um, because you can do. There are um, equations out there where you can calculate your one rep max and then use it for the things I talked about earlier, like calculating weights and stuff like that. Um, you can use a five rep max, um, like put in the five and then the, um, or putting, putting like the number of reps 
and then put in the weight you use and then calculate your one rep max without actually having to do a one rep max because some people are concerned about safety or injury stuff like that um and then obviously for me who doesn't have like a gym partner to do it with or a spotter i would not do one rep max eventually i will do probably like five rep max that kind of stuff um because of this reason and then i'll calculate one rep max and then I can continue to do five rep maxes and progressively get stronger in that so I can actually see my strength gains. Um, so that's a recommendation that I probably give you guys if you're not wanting to do a one rep max. Um, I will say compensatory acceleration training, while it is a great thing to apply um, to your training, I wouldn't necessarily recommend applying it to just every movement. Um, for instance, a lateral raise. I don't know that that's really the best thing to apply it to. Like these, like isolation movements, single joint movements, probably aren't the things you want to apply this to. I would apply it more towards like uh, compound movements, um, mainly because again, the reason for doing compensatory acceleration tra training is to get you stronger in that movement, um, for the most part, and improve your ability to lift heavier weights in that movement, as we talked about earlier, improving the sticking point, teaching you to accelerate throughout the movements. Um, and you're not going to be testing how strong you can be in a lateral raise. It's just not as practical. You could potentially do it. Like, I'm not going to tell you not to try it, but do it with caution, especially because, um, as you, if you're lifting like a lightweight, like maybe you're doing a 12.5 or a 15 pound dumbbell on the lateral raise, if you're just flinging those things upwards, that could potentially cause some harm. Um, so, and that, that was one of the concerns kind of raised in general by compensatory acceleration training. Um, kind of at the end of the movement, you're moving too quickly and you could hurt yourself potentially. So, um, Fred Hatfield, Dr. Fred Hatfield um, recommended that um, you need to learn how to slow down at the end of the movements. So that's another thing I would keep in mind when doing compensatory acceleration training. Um, learn how to put on the brakes maybe at the very end so you're not just like exploding through lockout and then potentially hurting yourself especially on like a bench press or something where maybe you could um, put a lot of stress on your triceps or your elbow or your shoulders doing that so keep that in mind um and then lastly as i talked about earlier make sure you're very efficient with the movements as in you have good left lifting technique and good form because the heavier you go or the faster you go on a movement the easier it is for, to, for form to fall apart and for you to get, again, or therefore less benefits of the exercise, you're not properly moving the ex. like, you're potentially um, opening yourself up to not move as much weight, and of course to receive more injuries, so definitely make sure your form is on point. Um, if you're just throwing the weight up and your shoulders are coming all the way up the bar on a bench press, off the bench on a bench press, or if a, or in a squat, you're throwing yourself up, and then you're kind of like leaning forward and then back to get the weight up and your bar's travels all over the place and it's not just a straight line there's no point to it you're 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 de defeating the purpose of the training so make sure to have good form really in everything you do but for sure in compensatory acceleration training that is it for today's episode um <laughs> hopefully you found that interesting informative helpful whatever um maybe you guys are going to um Excuse me, maybe you guys are going to incorporate this into your training now. Maybe you guys aren't. Um, I will say I'm still struggling a little bit to be succinct. I was very repetitive. Um, cat got my tongue a few times in this episode, so I will continue to try and improve my speaking ability. Um, but hopefully you enjoyed, regardless of me blabbering on and messing up a bunch of time. 
and hopefully this was helpful for you guys. Um, I personally am trying this in my training. Um, I could I, I could definitely feel it in the squats, especially when I was doing it in the squats um, and, and in the deadlift. Um, I haven't really tried this in bench press yet. I will be trying it tomorrow um, because at the point I started doing this was like after bench press day. Um, so I will be applying that tomorrow. So hopefully that goes well. Um, hopefully all your trainings are go are all of your training is going well. Um, hope you guys have a great night. Um, next episode will be on Sunday. Um, more than likely will be about joint lockout. Um, as I said last week, that's kind of one of those episode ideas that I have tabled and I'll, I'll just get to it at some point. Um, but this just caught my attention. I really wanted to go over this because it's excited me. Um, but next next week will probably be about joint lo joint lockout. Um, whether or not that's dangerous to what extent. Um, maybe if only on certain exercises that's dangerous, like the leg press we're using heavy weight. Um, whereas lighter exercise is not as big of a deal. All of that um, will probably be next week um, on Sunday again. Um, I'm trying to still be consistent with my uploads. Um, but yeah, that's it for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you found it informative. Have a great night, everyone, and goodbye.